Today on The Faction, Ring of Honor has its final battle for 2023. We talk about Charlotte Flair, Brian Keith, and more. That's coming up next on The Faction. What's going on, family? Happy Monday. Welcome to another edition of The Faction. I am your man, Gerard Bonner. And yeah, time is flying, family. We are officially seven days away from Christmas, 14 days away from 2024. And I'll just start by saying thank you for your continued support of all things connected to the faction. This has been an absolutely mind-blowing year in the space of pro wrestling. And the fact that so many of you are so interested in our opinions and our takes on what's been happening here is downright amazing. So thank you so much for your continued support. Thank you for finding us and supporting us on the socials at The Faction Show, for subscribing to our podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google, or wherever you may be joining us. And if it's your first time checking us out, welcome aboard. Go back, check out some of our previous episodes. I know you may have caught us from a number of different places, but my hope is that you're enjoying what you hear. If you've gotten a taste of what I do via commentary, WWT Live, Wrestle Extra, or any of the other places you may find me, I hope that you enjoy this podcast and what we bring to the table. So a quick heads up, we've got some big, big plans to end the year strong. And that, of course, will feature our end of the year series. You'll want to pay attention to what we're doing on the socials because we're going to give you a chance to vote on what you believe the biggest wrestling story is of 2023. And there have been so many that it'll be very interesting to see which ones result as the big story of the year. So what an incredible year it's been. And like I said, we will get into our year end review coming very soon. But today we want to dig into what I think is probably the last full weekend of new content in the space of pro wrestling. And one of the reasons that's happening, well, it's not the last, let's just say the last set of pay-per-views because we're still going to have AEW Dynamite, Collision, We'll have a live episode of Raw tonight. We'll have more things that are happening. But one of the reasons that we're saying that is Triple H has been so gracious to pretty much wipe out anything on the WWE calendar in terms of live events after tonight's episode of Raw. So that means tomorrow night's NXT, Friday's SmackDown, and then all the content through Christmas will be pre-recorded. And so Triple H did that specifically to give the talent in WWE an opportunity to spend necessary time with their families. And I just think that that is such an incredible moment 
One of the things that WWE and the wrestling world has been known for for years has been this breakneck schedule. And so literally there would be event on Christmas night. You know, there's been Monday Night Raws that were live on Christmas, all of the things And these athletes rarely get an opportunity to spend time with their family because, you know, we've got to entertain the audience. We remember what happened during the pandemic, right? So shout out to the WWE and again, it's new leadership, Triple H. And I'm sure that as we start talking about the big stories of 2023, Triple H fully taking over creative, WWE selling to Endeavor, creating TKO, Vince McMahon pretty much out of the day-to-day to WWE. All of those stories will likely come up in our conversations for the biggest stories of the year. So that's one of the reasons why... We're saying that pretty much this is the last full weekend of new content in the year. That might not be totally accurate, but you'll get what I'm saying. There are no new pay-per-views coming. Matter of fact, uh, the last pay-per-view of 2023 will be in AEW World's End on December 30th, where we will crown our first ever North American Triple Crown Champion. That person will hold the... New Japan Strong Openweight Championship, the Ring of Honor World Championship, and the AEW Continental Championship. But before we get there, speaking of Ring of Honor, let's talk about Ring of Honor's final battle. It's the final pay-per-view from the Ring of Honor banner in 2023. It took place in Garland, Texas, and let me start by saying there were definitely some highs and some interesting lows in this pay-per-view, but we'll get into all of that in a second. First, let's talk about results, and if you missed this pay-per-view and you don't want to hear these results, then press pause, finish watching Final Battle, and come back. Other than that, This could be spoilers or recap from what happened at Final Battle. Let's first start by saying the Final Battle was viewed for the first time on Honor Club, which means if you gained a subscription to Honor Club, you were able to see Final Battle as part of that subscription. That's very similar to the model that we see, of course, with the WWE Network and with some of the ancillary pay-per-views in Impact, which we'll get into Impact and TNA Plus in a little bit. Back to Ring of Honor's final battle. It began with the zero hour that saw Taya Valkyrie defeat Jasmine Allure. The Von Erics, Ross and Marshall Von Erich, defeated Truth Magnum and Turbo Floyd, a.k.a. the Outrunners. Then we had a survival of the fittest qualifying match to determine the sixth person in the survival of the fittest match on the pay-per-view as bounty hunter Brian Keith defeated Jack Cartwheel to earn his spot. Daniel Garcia would defeat All Heart Blake Christian to wrap up the zero hour. Then we move into final battle as El Ijo Del Vikingo defeated the debuting Black Taurus to retain the Triple A Mega Championship. The ROH World Six Man Tag Titles were on the line as the Mogul Embassy defeated TMDK, the team of Shane Haste. Bad Dude Tito and Cozy Fujita. In an I Quit match, All Ego Ethan Page defeated Tony Nice. The Native Beast Nyla Rose defeated Vert Vixen. Then in the survival of the fittest six-way elimination match, Kyle Fletcher defeated Dalton Castle, Commander, 
Lee Moriarty, Lee Johnson, and Brian Keith to win the survival of the fittest match and become the new Ring of Honor World Television Champion. In the Pure Championship match, Wheeler Yuta defeated Filthy Tom Lawler to retain the championship. Keith Lee defeated Shane Taylor in the Jay Briscoe tribute match. Mark Briscoe and FTR defeated the Blackpool Combat Club team of John Moxley, Brian Danielson, and Claudio Castagnoli. Eddie Kingston defeated Anthony Henry in a proving ground match. And in the main event, Athena retained the Ring of Honor Women's World Championship against Billy Starks. So there's a lot to be said for this pay-per-view. Let's start by saying congratulations. I do think that having final battle on Honor Club is long overdue. It just seems unfair to pay $9.99 a month and then turn around and have to pay separately for the pay-per-views. Though from the economic space, I understand Ring of Honor is currently not doing house shows and they don't have very many standalone shows. So these pay-per-views certainly prove to be able to generate revenue both in the arena and on pay-per-view for Ring of Honor as a company. And while we don't have an initial number for the estimates for the pay-per-view buy rates for Ring of Honor, it will be interesting to see if indeed the pay-per-view buy rate, which would include basically your subscribers, if that is increased since the last pay-per-view with this whole idea of subscription-based buy rate. So we'll see. Meanwhile, let's get into the actual pay-per-view itself. First of all, there was a zero hour, four matches in the zero hour. And the purpose of the zero hour is to really, like any pre-show, excite any fans that were already on the bubble to order the pay-per-view. Now, I'm not fully sure if that's what this particular element did. And for a couple of reasons. On one hand, you had a match like Taya Valkyrie against Jasmine Allure. Jasmine Allure was making her Ring of Honor debut on this night against Taya Valkyrie, who made her Ring of Honor in-ring debut the night before on Honor Club. So that's interesting. We got to see the Von Erichs make their Ring of Honor debut against the Outrunners, which is a cool situation, but I'm not sure that... We view the Outrunners as the kind of tag team that would walk away potentially with a victory against the Von Eriks. So I think the first two matches in this zero hour likely did not excite people to order the pay-per-view. Perhaps the final two matches with Brian Keith versus Jack Cartwheel and Daniel Garcia versus Blake Christian may have done that. The interesting part, though, is... None of these matches were advertised matches. So, again, if you were tuning in, you weren't necessarily tuning into the zero hour with the expectation of a certain match. As all of these matches literally just kind of happened. Here's my other issue when it comes to what happened this night on Final Battle. There were a number of superstars, including the Von Eriks and El Hijo Del Vikingo, who ended up, quote-unquote, doing double duty. When I say double duty, they were appearing live on Final Battle, but then they were also appearing later that night on AEW Rampage. So, which is it? 
Now, the whole idea of presenting television is to make it appear to be live, to not necessarily give away that it's already taped. And when we consider that Rampage happened in Arlington and not in Garland, ah, yeah. Couple that with the idea that for El Hijo del Vikingo to leave this match technically and go over to Rampage did not give him a lot of time to do that. Be that as it may, that's a little tricky when you have two similar products competing with each other. Right. Like literally Ring of Honor's final battle was going head to head at one point with AEW's Rampage. Probably not what either of them planned, but it's what happened. So I'm not a big fan of that. You know, that's literally like NXT putting a program up against SmackDown. They would never go head to head. So that probably wasn't the best planning. But be that as it may, you were either locked into one or the other. Okay, so there's that. Now, if there was ever a winner in Ring of Honor's final battle, and really the entire weekend, it's the bounty hunter, Brian Keith. Brian Keith has been on AEW television once before when he took on Brian Danielson, and I believe that was ironically on an episode of Rampage. Brian Keith in the top 100 or 115 or so of this year's PWI 500, the number one wrestler ranked on the BWI 500, which is a listing or an index of black wrestlers for 2023. There's been a lot of conversation about Brian Keith. And I think his showing on Ring of Honor on the zero hour alone and the incredible fan response was enough to make you see if he would actually win survival of the fittest on the pay-per-view then of course he had an incredible showing as a result of that against the international champion orange cassidy on the next night on collision so what an incredible weekend for brian keith three great matches incredible national presentation i definitely think that Brian Keith needs to be signed by AEW, Ring of Honor, or even WWE. And I mentioned WWE because Brian Keith is a hallmark in Reality of Wrestling, which is the promotion put together by, of course, Booker T, who is a WWE Hall of Famer, two-time, and he is a current commentator on NXT. It'll be interesting to see how that works. But Brian Keith had an amazing showing, getting an opportunity at two championships over the weekend. Just fantastic. I can't say enough great things about the bounty hunter, Brian Keith. And I hope this is not the last time we see him on a nationally televised promotion. All right, let's get into the actual pay-per-view itself. Well, before we get into the pay-per-view, we also had an announcement coming from Ring of Honor CEO, owner, and general manager, Tony Khan. I'm not fully sure what the announcement was supposed to be because he was interrupted by Eddie Kingston, the world champion, who was not booked for the night. That was interrupted by, of all people, Anthony Henry of the Workhorseman, who says, I want a proving ground match. So here's one of my issues with Ring of Honor Final Battle 2023. Historically, Ring of Honor Final Battle has been deemed its seminal or premier pay-per-view of its calendar year. They only have a couple. Supercard of Honor, then there is Death Before Dishonor, and there is Final Battle. 
three major pay-per-views during the year. You work incredibly hard, and again, final battle, according to Ring of Honor, is its seminal pay-per-view. It's it's WrestleMania, basically, okay? So would you put on WrestleMania the world champion having a proving ground match? For those who don't know, a proving ground match is a non-title match where the challenger either has to defeat the champion or last 10 minutes with the champion, and if they do, they'll get a future title shot. That seems asinine to have on their seminal pay-per-view, their WrestleMania. Doesn't make sense. Couple that with the person getting a proving ground match is a tag team wrestler. That also doesn't make sense. So, yeah, I I don't agree with that. I didn't feel good about it when I saw it happen. The match felt like a throwaway itself. No disrespect to either of those two talents because they are great talents. But that was a match that probably would have been on its weekly show, not on its major pay-per-view. And with that said, there was a second just kind of thrown-together match on there, which was Nyla Rose against Vert Vixen. It didn't feel like anything that was a major competition. It happened very quickly. Like, if we need filler matches, then let's not lock ourselves into having a full four-hour pay-per-view. Just let these other matches cook, tell their stories, or better yet, make it a three-hour pay-per-view, but not a four-hour pay-per-view where we're trying to fill space. Not a good move at all. Okay, back then to some of the other real highlights, because there were real highlights. El Hijo del Vikingo against the debuting Black Tarus. Black Tarus has spent quite a bit of time in Impact Wrestling. I don't know if this means he is leaving Impact or if he just popped in for this. But with that said, a great match. Obviously, two competing styles. Hijo del Vikingo is a walking highlight reel. And another win for him. The Mogul Embassy, the Gates of Agony specifically, are back from World Tag League. And now they end up in a six-man tag match against TMDK, who defeated them during World Tag League. But obviously, if you didn't watch World Tag League, you didn't know that. They did mention that briefly to set up this story. Cool match. Yeah, I just, I want better for Ring of Honor. That's what I'm saying. Was it a good match? It was. Was there story leading to it? Not enough to really be told to make us interested in it. And again, it just kind of popped up, okay? One of the matches that there was story behind was Tony Nese versus Ethan Page. Now, I have to tell you, in the interest of full disclosure, I had absolutely no interest in this match. Making it an I quit match didn't help. Bringing Tony Khan in for the contract signing didn't help. Nothing about this felt like it's something we should be paying attention to. With that said, shout out to Ethan Page for making it something once we actually watch the match that we'd be interested in. Mark Henry comes out to handcuff Mark Sterling to the ring post. Before the match ends, we get an appearance from Scorpio Sky. Like, all of that is cool. Ethan Page gets the win. Why this needed to be an I quit match, I don't know. And I'm sorry if it sounds like I am being really hard on this pay-per-view, I'm just telling you what we've seen didn't deliver to historic final battle standards of the past. Now then, the survival of the fittest match was fire. 
Dalton Castle, Commander, Lee Moriarty, Lee Johnson, Kyle Fletcher, and Brian Keith. Again, the winner would become the Ring of Honor World Television Champion. I think this match was absolutely fitting of the legacy and lineage of the World TV Championship. Congratulations to Kyle Fletcher. Any of these guys could end up in a match against Fletcher, and I'd be down with seeing it. What I really hope comes from this is that we will restore honor to the World Television Championship. The fact that that title was vacated by Samoa Joe, who won't end up getting a shot for this title until next Saturday for World's End, seems crazy. But... That's another story for another day. Congratulations to Kyle Fletcher. A great, great match for sure. The pure title match. Filthy Tom Lawler. You know what I wish? I really wish that these matches would have been announced prior to, and when I say prior to, like we would have had buildup. Because if you're going to get people interested in a pay-per-view, I think it's unfortunate that there's so much effort being put into the last minute that we forget the power of the buildup. Tom Lawler, the first strong open weight champion, do you know the story you could have told with that? Considering that the strong open weight championship is right now included in the Continental Classic Rewards I mean, you could have told an amazing story, an MMA fighter, like all of the things. The story is being told during the match, but not prior to. That's what's problematic. Wheeler Yuta gets a win in a pretty filthy way, which I think is just kind of along the lines of what Wheeler Yuta would do. Then we get an appearance from Hook. Seems like we're setting up a potential title match for that, which should be very interesting. Now then, the Jay Briscoe tribute match, which turned into a match without honor, which, in terms of semantics, how do you call it a match without honor that is a match to honor Jay Briscoe? Okay, you guys are probably seeing where I'm at with that, right? Either way, very brutal match, which is what you expected. It was designed to really resemble Jay Briscoe's final Ring of Honor match, which was that dog collar match last year between FTR and the Briscoes. What a difference a year makes. And it's still really hard to fathom that Jay Briscoe is no longer with us. An incredible match that saw Mark Briscoe getting the pinfall on Brian Danielson. I think that was just poetic. Really powerful, very emotional, as you can imagine. And it has been said that Mark Briscoe has said that that match ended up proving to be therapy for him, given the year that he's had. I definitely feel like Ring of Honor is certainly still suffering from the loss of Jay Briscoe. Yeah, our thoughts and prayers are with not just his family, but the entire wrestling community. When you lose someone like that, even tribute matches become very, very difficult because all you can think about is them. So, yeah, really, really powerful moment for sure. Now, let's talk about the idea that what should have followed this was Athena versus Billy Starks. But instead, we get the palate cleanser that is your world champion, Eddie Kingston, against Anthony Henry in a proving ground match. And, of course, Eddie Kingston does not come out with his championships because, of course, they are held in abeyance right now as part of this Continental Classic. I don't like it. I didn't like it. I don't like it. That's what I have. 
Now then to Athena versus Billy Starks, the match that absolutely should have been the main event. It's been the best story told in Ring of Honor the entire year. And Athena comes out with the win. Congratulations to her. A year as the Ring of Honor Women's World Champion. She should not lose that title anytime soon. I will say that it's amazing that for all of the challenges that Ring of Honor has had over the last year, they've somehow managed to build a far deeper women's division than AEW. Pretty incredible. I'm intrigued to see who could show up uh, to battle Athena. Taya Valkyrie being there is a great choice, I think. There are other great women that are there. Trisha Dora, Lady Storm. You're building, of course, the Renegades. You're building a lot of other great women there. I think there are some possibilities for sure for Athena and her next title defense. But congratulations to Athena, who's doing amazing things as your Ring of Honor Women's World Champion. All in all, if you like great pro wrestling, I do think you should watch this pay-per-view. I do have obvious issues with what's been happening with Ring of Honor, and I would like to see Ring of Honor really become the Ring of Honor that we know and love. One of the big stories, I think, of 2023 is Ring of Honor finally getting a weekly program. It is on Honor Club. We'll talk more about that, I'm sure, as we get into the biggest stories of 2023. Congratulations to Ring of Honor. Congratulations to my friend Caprice Coleman, to Ian Riccoboni, to the entire staff there. And I really do hope that 2024 ends up being a seminal year for Ring of Honor. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about Charlotte Flair and what's happening with her. This is a total package Lex Luger and you are turned into the faction. I've known Dylan since he was 15. I've known what a crazy fanatic he's been. He never just went and played. So what are you doing? Well, you know, I got to plan the show first. He wants to be the guy shaping. Dylan used to run shows back in his hometown, and ever since he moved to Atlanta, I know that he's been really wanting to start his own company here. I had that fear of not being what's interesting in Atlanta. I said, I'm going to start my own wrestling promotion. You need to get in a room with this guy. Because at the end of the day, wrestling had grown stale in Georgia. I'm like, dude, this guy's ruffling everybody's feathers. Dylan learned that I'm impatient, and I announced that we were going to start a promotion 90 days later. And I knew that I had no content. But then I started to see all the things that he was doing. It was starting to look really professional. Gary had stirred up so much shit. We were gonna be the laughing stock of the entire city if we didn't deliver. Perception's reality. How did we get on Southern Honor? What was the process of them walking over there like, I'm gonna do that? I thought, honestly, he was dead. You hear his brain swelling. I literally thought Southern Honor was probably done. You always told me, if you don't like an idea, come up with a better idea. You're telling me you won't listen to the idea? And we're gonna pack 1,000 people! I couldn't wait for an answer from Chris. We weren't sure. No confirmation. Hey, wow. How about that? Oh. The lights are going out here. The first indie show I've ever done in 23 years was with Southern Honor, and now everyone's talking about this company. Nothing bigger than that's ever gonna happen here. Lord, a few minutes later. It was extremely hard to maintain relationships because I was working with Gary. I don't know that they would go to war for me. They would go to war for Dylan. Finally, this year is going to be mine. COVID. 
I can honestly say my last match will be here just because Southern Honor is that special to me. So many things that have happened in my life that you could write on paper and it would read as a book. And Southern Honor is just another chapter. As long as there is a them and there is a you, there will always be the S-H-W. Are you ready? Yes! Hey guys, before we hop back into the podcast, I want to let you know that you have the opportunity to wear the merch of hopefully your favorite commentator. That's right. I have merch available representing us here at The Faction and representing my journey. Lego. You've likely heard about my journey into pro wrestling, and if you haven't, I can sum it up in a couple of words. Uh-oh. It took me five seconds of courage to bet on me so we've got great merch out there allowing you to tell the world about five seconds of courage and betting on you you can check out that merch right now at prowrestlingtees.com slash bonafide again prowrestlingtees.com slash bonafide check out this new merch representing yours truly in the world of pro wrestling bet on you five seconds of courage prowrestlingtees.com slash bonafide What's up, y'all? It's the Intergalactic Soul, the Honorable Brother, the Revolutionary Ourself, Darius Lockhart here. And I'm here with some exciting news on how you can watch our shade from home all across the globe. All you have to do is go to OddShadeWrestling.com and click on the tab, Watch Shade. There, starting at midnight, November 24th on Black Friday, there'll be a downloadable link available for purchase that will send you directly to the iShay live stream held on December 1st. From there, select your item. Click on the box, get your link. Check out using the cart located in the bottom right corner of your screen. Click check out, enter your form of payment information and complete your purchase. Once you're done, there'll be the option to download the item. Click this and download the PDF format attached, and once it opens, there'll be a link at the bottom sending you directly to the live stream of the first ever Ashe show. I hope this is an easy process for everyone and that you join us on our live stream. I hope to see you there, Ashe. What's up, guys? This is Mark here, the world's strongest man, and you're tuned in to the faction. All right, we're back, guys, and Charlotte Flair could be one of the craziest stories of 2023. Made a great comeback, seemingly was in the title picture. She's always in the title picture. That's what she does. But she had a match with Asuka on SmackDown, and we all were very concerned because in that particular match, It was clear that after the commercial break, she was not working well on her leg. She finished the match amazingly, but she's going to need surgery. She has a torn ACL, a torn MCL, a torn meniscus. It's believed she now has neck issues as well as a result of this. It was announced that she will be out 9 to 12 months, which obviously takes her off the shelf for the Royal Rumble, for WrestleMania. Granted... Thankfully, WWE's women's division is deep, but it's a scary space. We've not seen her out on injury for quite some time. I don't believe she's really had this kind of injury throughout her career. So our thoughts and prayers are with Charlotte Flair. And speaking of injuries and wrestlers that are out, 
If you watched AEW Dynamite this past Wednesday, you may have wondered, what's up with Kenny Omega? He seemed not to be into the promo that he was cutting. He just seemed very lackluster. Well, there was a real reason, as apparently he has been struggling with diverticulitis. They were able to find it. They got him to the hospital before it became tragic. And so, according to him, he will be out indefinitely as he is being treated in the hospital for diverticulitis. If that disease sounds familiar, it's because Brock Lesnar dealt with it, and he was out with that for quite some time. So our thoughts and prayers are with Kenny Omega. It seems to make him questionable for AEW World's End, where he and Chris Jericho were supposed to be getting a tag team title match against the AEW Tag Team Champion. So not sure what that will do for that. Certainly our thoughts and prayers are with Kenny Omega. Since we're talking about AEW, let's have a conversation about the Continental Classic. As we're now entering the final week of competition for the Gold and Blue League. So there are six people in each league. They each would have five matches. Week five, or their final match, is about to happen this week. One of the main things to consider when dealing with this Continental Classic is you can be statistically eliminated. And there are a number of people who are. But the way it's working is while you'll want to win your league, you really want to be in the top two of the league. And one of the things that we saw Wednesday night was Swerve Strickland against John Moxley. Both of them were tied at nine points. Moxley gets the win. He goes up with 12 points. And so what that means is this. Next week, as in the 27th of December, there will be the finals for the Gold League and the Blue League, which means the top two point getters in each league will battle each other. The winners will go to World's End and fight for the Triple Crown. So here's how things look right now. In the Gold League, John Moxley has 12 points. He is undefeated. His final match will come this Wednesday against Jay White. Speaking of Jay White, Jay White is tied with Swerve Strickland at nine points apiece. So Jay White clearly needs a win here to be in the finals. Matter of fact, if he wins against John Moxley, it'll be him and Moxley in the finals, or so I think. And here's why I say so I think. Swerve Strickland has nine points. He'll be taking on Roosh. If Swerve wins, he'll have 12 points. So here's how it looks. If Swerve wins and Moxley loses, Swerve and Moxley will be tied with 12 points. But if Moxley loses, he loses to Jay White. Swerve defeated Jay White. So if Swerve defeated Jay White, but then John Moxley defeated Swerve, I'm not exactly sure who would end up in the finals. Would it be Moxley versus Swerve or Moxley versus Jay White? Not sure. They're going to have to work that one out for me. But right now, it seems as though John Moxley, Swerve Strickland, and Jay White are all competing this Wednesday for the opportunity to be in the finals in the Gold League. The Blue League looks equally interesting, as right now there is a two-way tie for first place between Brian Danielson and Andrade El Idolo with nine points. Meanwhile, Brody King, Claudio Castagnoli, and Eddie Kingston each have six points. So then... This week, you'll see Andrade El Idolo against Eddie Kingston. It's a must win for Kingston. Claudio Castagnoli against Brian Danielson, two members of the BCC battling. Brody King battling Daniel Garcia. All of these matches will be must see. 
It'll be interesting to see who makes it to the finals. Clearly, if Brian Danielson and Andrade El Idolo win, they will clearly make it to the finals, both with 12 points or so. I think as Idolo defeated Danielson, so I, I don't know. I'm a little confused, admittedly. It seems like must win for Eddie Kingston because if Eddie Kingston loses, he loses both championships. So all of that said, it's intriguing. It's fun. We'll see the finals of the Golden Blue League next Wednesday on the 27th. And then, of course, the Continental Classic finals happen on Saturday, December the 30th, which leads me to the question, who do you think wins the Continental Classic Tournament? and walks out with three championships, let us know on the socials. All right, tonight should be a very big night for Monday Night Raw. Tag titles are on the line. Intercontinental Championship is on the line. And we'll hear from Seth Rollins as he talks about his day one Monday Night Raw opponent, which will be Drew McIntyre. All right, we would love to hear from you. Make sure you are following our socials as you'll be seeing stories in our stories where you get to vote for the biggest story of 2023 in the world of pro wrestling and there's going to be a lot of them so make sure you're paying attention we'll have new things popping up every day check out our stories it'll be a lot of fun until next time representing for my good brothers courtney beard brandon clack and the award-winning ep john murray i am gerard bonner and this is the faction (laughs) 